Hello and welcome. I'm producer Jane Neild. I hope you've had a chance to listen to the first part of episode 112. Caro and Corrie's guests were Richmond President Peggy O'Neill and author Conrad Marshall, whose new book, Stronger and Bolder, the story of Richmond's 2019 premiership is in store now. We pick up the action recorded live at our Christmas podcast party at Bell's Hotel on Tuesday, December the 10th, as Caro and Corrie welcome two of our favourite guests. Over our 112 episodes, as you all know, we've been joined by some pretty fabulous regular rock star talent. Among our favourites, and I know they're yours as well, our dear friend Anna Barry. Anna from the Op Shop. Hello. (laughs) But I think, uh, no offence, Mike Sheehan, I know you'll be shocked to hear this, but the talent, the one that everybody asks for is Caro's mum, Julia Wilson. Welcome, Jewel. Welcome, Anna. Thank so you, So good Colleen. to have you guys. So we are going to do our book screen food segment, but we thought, first of all, in the spirit of Christmas, everybody's so happy and joyful, and especially given Caro's challenge that nothing's going to piss her off. Mm. I just thought... I'm afraid... Can I just say, it, it lasted two days. <laughs> the worst challenge I've ever given myself for the whole um, year. What so was your challenge? To be to Joyful. embrace the spirit of Christmas oh. and not get stressed and enjoy every event and not complain. Too <laughs> Way too big a challenge. No, no. So I just thought, in, with that in mind, that we'd actually look at the things that really piss us off about Christmas. <laughs> and so I thought maybe we might just throw to you, Anna, first. Is there anything or things in particular that really bug you about this four-week period? The main thing that bugs me is when people tell you how busy they are. I mean, everyone's busy, everyone's got stuff on, it doesn't have to be Christmassy. But it's like a, you know, degree in how busy one can be. It drives me mad. That's my, that's my biggest bugbear. What about you, Mum? Oh, yes, I suppose I agree with Anna. I can't think of anything more. It gets more and more tiring as you get old. Yeah. You, you think of Christmas's past and you can't help reflecting they were nicer in the 1940s. <laughs> Bit grim for us. On that cheerful note, apart from the war... <laughs> I am hosting what Christmas if, this year, but... <laughs> what, don't take it personally, Carol. No. What, what, and what about you? No. Uh, look, oh, come on. Uh, look, yeah, well, it, it, it's sort of along the same lines. We must catch up before Christmas. Yeah. Why? What happens on December 26th? <laughs> the world comes to an end. With no the supermarkets close down With forever. no offence to anybody who's asked Carol to nice drinks oh. parties in the next two months. <laughs> No, I, I just think, and Anna, sorry, I probably have, you know, got an A-plus in my degree of being busy before Christmas, as I say, have you been? But um, you just sometimes feel you don't enjoy each event as much as you should. No. I mean, says Anna, who's here tonight, is having a pretty special mother-daughter lunch tomorrow and off to the theatre tomorrow night. And I've had to cancel our walk tomorrow morning because we're both far too Way busy. Way too busy. Way too busy. <laughs> what about you, Corrie? I have a list. You'll be surprised. 
I never saw that. Things we hate about Christmas. <laughs> uh, well, Black Friday we talked about last week. But can I just tell you in all seriousness that the people in our village, the traders in our village, all say that last week from about Wednesday on, all of our sales went like this. And they don't recover until about Sunday or Monday. So Black Friday, which is an American invention, we need to stop it now, okay? Um, what else do we hate about Christmas? The vastly overrated gingerbread house tastes like cardboard dipped in sugar. Don't mind them. Some people quite like them. I like them. You can, you can, you can, you, can, you know, have your own views. The, the paper hats you find in bonbons because they never fit your hair. And then there is the thing that um, you guys have talked about. Oh, we must catch up. Why? Um, the unravelling of the Christmas lights. What fresh hell is this? Why every year when we Quite put it away... and. Pete and Coco usually strip the tree and like they're very careful with the Christmas lights. Why every year do they pop out in a mess? I don't understand. Um, people putting their Christmas trees on social media. You know what? We're all good at it. We can all do it. It's okay. Anna, Anna, I think I got a text from you the other day. Carol, I can send you a text, but I wouldn't be That's putting it on Insta. No. The subtle competitive spirit that emerges when people start to talk about how many things they, how many people they are having for Christmas lunch. <laughs> oh, I've got thirty-eight. <laughs> oh my God, I have seventy-two. <laughs> Good on you. Um, Big fan. And, I, and I, do have a, I do have a GLT for Christmas um, because I'm not, she's not asking me later on what my GLT is. I just wanted to say that if you exercise on Christmas morning, you feel so much better as you just hoe into that second piece of PAV. So make sure you do that. So that's it for as me. As if that's ever going to happen on Christmas Day. It would be the one day you wouldn't be putting the old like. Well, on. if you go for a walk, it's not bad. You've got to walk the dog. Although, oh, day off. Off legs, I think. Thank you. Off no, legs. No, don't mention the dog. Thank yeah. you. Oh, can I just say also, sorry, Carrie, to all of the potties and friends who have sent messages of genuine love and support to the family and I about losing Bearsy. I'm so grateful that you are all just so touched by our little dog. Thank you for that. I've had lots, Carrie. On to a happier note now. Um, well, you're going to ask me a question, aren't you? Oh, am I? Oh, hang on. <laughs> I don't have yet. Yeah. Um, you do the run sheet, not me, yeah. as we know. Caro? <laughs> Caro, what's your crush? Or who's your crush? Well, it's a bit of a serious one, actually, but I was just listening to her um, this morning on the radio, this afternoon on the radio. I watched her on television. Jacinta Ardern is one of the best public speakers and performers. I mean, I know it sounds... I know it's. A, it, it, I suppose it's easy to be a good leader in a way in a time of crisis when it's a natural disaster. But her words are yeah. right. She just seems to capture the right tone to me every time she mixes with international yeah. leaders. Don't you think, Mum? Yes. Yes. She behaves like Australians should. Yeah. Well, except she's <laughs> <in> New Zealand. <laughs> Yeah. Except she's yeah, from New Zealand. I know, but like, she'd be thrilled to know that. To think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so and, and, and we should just mention, uh, well, he's never been a crush of the week before, I don't think, but we, we have mentioned Mike Sheehan, one of our many regulars, <laughs> who is here tonight, as is my little, one of my little breakfast gangs, and one of them, Corrie, is someone you've never met, but his name is Kevin from Geelong. I've met Kevin from Geelong listener, tonight. Kevin, you're an here. An early critic. 
we'll, we'll never agree about where, where Geelong should play their home finals. But he's been a wonderful friend of the podcast. Jude Donnelly, former Richmond, now of the AFL, is also here tonight. Brendan Donahue, my husband, another regular. And I should have mentioned my October punctuation of the year, Mark, was an earlier crush, Ned, my son, who released his first feature documentary yes. in October, which was... I was boasting about your children, but I forgot to boast and about I would, can I say, my, can, I, can I have a crush as well and say... Say my husband Pete Loder for moving house with me again. Clem's me mentioning it. Clem, you're um, another former regular, and I forgot to mention you, my daughter Clementine, <laughs> star of stage and screen. And Kevin Clementine from Donovan. Kevin from Geelong. Kevin from Geelong. I just like to say thank you for the number of times you text and message us saying I think Corey's being a bit loose today. Mm. <laughs> I've taken your advice. Have I cleaned up my act? Yep, and now BSF is one of our favourite regular segments. Corrie, you're going to kick off um, your 10 best books for 2019. These will be on our show notes as well, so you know what to buy for your summer reads. And then Mum and Anna are going to weigh in as well. Okay, so if you've got a pen or read read the show notes. For for non-fiction, and all of these books are in no particular order of preference, Mandalay Forever by Tatiana de Rosne, which actually came out a couple of years ago. I gave it to Anna for her birthday. I finally caught up with this year. It's the biography of Daphne du Maurier. The Anarchy by William Dalrymple about the East India Company in, uh, in India. The Salt Path by Raynor Wynne, which is that beautiful story of walking across Cornwall. Um, and The Erratics by Vicky Laveur Harvey, which won the Stella Prize this year. I'm sure a lot of your book clubs have done it. Fiction, Damascus by Christos Lokas. There Was Still Love by Favel Parrott. The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, which Anna is going to talk about in a minute. An American Marriage by Tiari Jones. A book that I have just finished and I adore, and it's quite possibly my favourite book of the year, The Offing, The Offing, O-F-F-I-N-G, by Benjamin Myers. It's a recent BBC Two radio pick, and it is such a beautiful book. As Max Porter, the author of Lanny, said, what a radical thing these days to have written a book so full of warmth and kindness. It's true. Um, And then my tenth book is the book that I most want to read over summer. This is going to be probably the book of 2020, I reckon. And it's called On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. And it's by Vietnamese-born American um, poet and now writer of fiction, Ocean Vuong. He was named Ocean... uh, His mother named him Ocean after they had migrated in difficult circumstances from Vietnam to America. And they crossed the Pacific Ocean, so in honour of that trip and the safety that they found, she called him Ocean. This is a very beautiful book, I am told by everyone, and it just recently won the Foils UK Bookshop Book of the Year. So keep that one in mind. On Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. Um, Anna, do you have um, a book that you would like to talk about? I do. Um, I think my best summer read is The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. Mm. author of that brilliant book, Commonwealth, and she's one of my favourite writers. Um, Just very briefly, it's a modern fairy tale a la Cinderella meeting Hansel and Gretel, featuring two evil mothers, one of them a stepmother, and it's about a dysfunctional family, its loves, losses and experiences. They grow up in the Dutch house, which is a lavish estate including an incredible architect design mansion in the suburbs outside Philadelphia in the 1950s. 
So the book is written over five decades, so it's a big, big book. And it focuses on siblings, Danny and me? Maeve. Maeve. Maeve, yeah. Two intelligent people who can't seem to overcome their past and the omnipresent house. It's slightly mysterious. It's beautifully written. Equal parts heartbreak and humour. has a great narrative and fabulously developed characters. And it's a bit of a psychological page-turner. So could you ask for more? Agreed. What about great you, Mum? Oh, well, I'm uh, not nearly as highbrow as that. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's if anyone's been watching the show Princess Margaret, Royal Rebel, perhaps more my generation, but one Royal? of uh, her ladies-in-waiting, Lady Glen Connor, who was also one of the Queen's maids at the coronation, has written her life story. And it is absolutely an eye-opener. And if anyone here has got a difficult husband, <laughs> read this book. <laughs> Watch out, you two. Yeah. Show of hands. Not me, not me. Yeah. <laughs> one of his, his favourite um, uh, ways of behaving was lying down in the aisle of aircraft if he didn't get the seat he wanted. <laughs> He was absolutely unspeakable, the way he behaved. Um, wasn't he the owner of the island of Mustique? Yes, he bought the and, island, and, and then he gave Princess the... Margaret said... He offered her a bit for a wedding present. She said, I don't think so. And she came back and said, oh, yes, perhaps I would. And didn't she take more land than they oh, originally yes, offered? Yes, she moved all the peds <laughs> when she thought she'd like just a bit more of that hillside. Mm. Oh, she was a, really a fantastic girl. And, of course, this bloke has gone through, went through a massive fortune and then died. And now she lives in a cottage within sight of the stately home she was born in, to which, as her father only had and girls. It's called Lady in Waiting by Anne Glenconnen. And uh, if you want a touch of her um, greatness and wit... She was recently, last week or the week before, I think, on the Graham Norton show and, um, and oh, was pretty hilarious. Um, before Kara talks about her book of the year, I just wanted to say that the bookshop is offering packages of these. We're knocking $10 off the total price if you want to buy one, two or three or four of the books that we've mentioned. The Offing and Patchett's The Dutch House. Julia's um, lady-in-waiting and Caro's... Well, it was a tough tussle, Corrie, between Kate Atkinson's transcription mm. and the one I ultimately chose because it was so original by a first-time author. Trent Dalton, I've banged on about it all year, Boy Swallows Universe. I just loved it. I'm looking forward to the movie. I couldn't put it down. It was such an original way of writing and such an original story. So that's my book of the year. So if you want a special deal on any of those, just call um, my colleague Deb or myself. Deb's here tonight. Just call us at the bookshop. Just say you came to the podcast tonight or indeed if you're listening at home, just give us a call and we'll give you a special deal on those. Now, on to screen. Caro, your 10 best screen for 2019. I can't believe you've nailed just 10 it's been very difficult. Seeing as you've been to about 327 <laughs> movies this Well, I want to apologise to The Favourite and Vice and Mary Poppins Returns, a much underrated movie, because they, they were all released last year, but together. I saw them this year. I love However, 
Number 10. I'm going from 10 up to 1 so it can build the suspense. <laughs> People are so People excited. People are on the edge of their seat count. <laughs> Number 10. After the Wedding, a wonderful film with Michelle Williams, Julianne Moore and Billy Crudup. Number mm. 9. I love this movie, Blinded by the Light. It's um, pre- directed by Gurinder Chadha, who did um, Bend It Like Beckham. Mm-hmm. And it's about a boy growing up in northern England who falls in love with Bruce Springsteen. It's really good. Number eight, The Good Liar. We saw it the other night, Mum. Yes. With my Aunt Lil, who's here tonight. Tickety-boo. Wonderful film, great acting. Um, I think Anna went with Chris, and Chris realised... Anna from the op shop and her husband, Chris Barry... Chris realised halfway through the movie he'd read the book and knew what was going to happen, (laughs) which would have been a bit disappointing because it was a big build-up. Number seven, this film had so much impact and it was Ian Darling's documentary, The Final Quarter, which I thought was just a brilliant way of telling a story purely through using old vision, and that was the Adam Good story. Official Secrets, which we saw together at number six. Love a film about a whistleblower. Um, starring Kira Knightley. Number five, The Irishman, which you can, I think, no longer catch at the movies. I think it's just Netflix. Yeah. We watched it on TV over the weekend. This is the Mark and Scorsese one. Yeah. De Niro, Pacino, you name it. Absolutely it's brilliant. brilliant. Um, what is that, number five? Number four, Judy. If Renee Zellweger doesn't win the Oscar oh, I never for her portrayal it. of Judy Garland... Oh, Anna, I, I can't know. believe you I haven't know. seen that. No one would go with me, including um, my absolutely husband. Absolutely brilliant. Number three, another one of those Netflix ones that you can still catch, I think, at the Lido... What do you call it, Anna? Wigs on sticks? The cinema, Elston Wick classic, the classic <laughs> cinema. <laughs> Wigs um, on sticks, you can still see Saturday it. Saturday night. You can still catch this at the... And we go there, so we're not bagging anyone else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's called The Marriage Story. It is a, it's a Greta Gerwig, who I love. She's directed this, starring Adam Driver. It is an absolutely wonderful film. And Any Scarlett Johansson. It's got, yeah. Yeah, and no, no. And, and Scarlett Johansson. One of the best scenes of a marriage breakup I've ever seen. Never Look Away. That's a marriage story. Never Look Away is number two. That wonderful German film by Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. The man who did Stasi Land. I love that. I love this film. But number one, I don't care what anyone says, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino. Great film. Loved it. Absolutely Controversial. I know my friend Annie's here and she didn't like it, but I loved it. Okay, so um, just before... Do you have a film of the year? I do. Okay. I've got a, cool. I've got a so TV. Okay, so um, just before we go to Anna and Julia about their screen choices, I just wanted to mention three must-watch Netflix in no particular order coming from me. The Crown, obviously, we've banged on about it for the last three episodes. Designated Survivor, which took away most of my Friday, Saturday night life in 2019. Oh. And Marcella, which I think is absolutely mm. outstanding. Yeah, um, I got a bit sick of it. Yeah, I got Love. sick of her. I got sick and of her in the end. I thought, <laughs> no, they, no, they, come they on. Um, Anna, yeah. what's, your, what's your pick? Um, my pick, it's been nominated, I think, this week for Golden Globe. And it's my TV um, recommendation. It's the Netflix true crime series, Unbelievable. Oh, yes. yes. Brilliant. Yeah, this brilliant. stellar eight-episode drama stars Tony Collette, and she is fabulous, as always. And Emmy-winning Merit Weaver, who I didn't know, but when you see her on the screen, you know her. Anyway, they play two Colorado detectives who take up the case of a teenager who reports a rape and then retracts her story. And it's a, I reckon it's a sort of feminist 
look at the nature of truth and whose stories get told. It's riveting viewing. It's great. And it's only eight episodes, so you're not there like the Bureau for years. And, Mum, you weren't warned about this question, but can you no, think of... as usual. <laughs> I prepared everything different. <laughs> I could kill you both. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we're going we, to ask... We'd like you to just talk about whatever you'd want. We're going to, oh, to ask no. you in a moment about your worst Christmas movie, but do you have your, a favourite Christmas movie? Oh, yes. Well, Meet Me in St Louis yeah. is my favourite. And... Um, you see, I'm right out, of, right out of any age group here. Anything with Durbingle and Fred. Yep. Mm. Who's Durbingle? Bing Crosby. Oh, good, good, yep. Carol. Yep. Yep. Mum, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> Why do you love Meet Me in St. Louis? Because it's got a flawless cast mm. and a flawless story and it ends happily. <laughs> and it's, it's the American dream. And how rare can we see that on the movies now? I, Renee Zellweger does the trolley song in this movie, Judy, as, a, as in the last, which is sort of set the last three yeah. months of Judy Garland's life yes. at a show in London, and yes. she's brilliant. Oh, well, maybe I'll go and see that. Well, while, while you're on a roll, do you have a Christmas recipe? Oh, I do. And it's, um, my granddaughter will be very put out by this. <laughs> I don't have modern food like quinoa and <laughs> chickpeas. This is a recipe from a person of my age, and I'm not going to tell you where it comes from, but there should be a prize for the first person to guess. It's a recipe of my generation. <laughs> it's curried rabbit in... <laughs> Wait, in grapefruit cases. Oh. <laughs> Mum. <laughs> Put up your hand if you know the woman that suggested it. I'll give you a few ingredients. Cup of Nestle's milk, flour, grated onion, half an apple, pulp, oh, desiccated coconut. <laughs> Can't any of you guess? Julia Child, people are saying Margaret Fulton. No. Edna Everidge. <laughs> Okay, that's probably not one we'll be doing this Christmas, but thank you, Mum. I want to have a look at that. Anna. Anna, bring a bit of decorum to the no, proceedings. I'm afraid mine's very straight up and down, and it is from the Ottolinghi cookbook. Not the Christmas oh, law. Yeah. Not the Christmas law. Don't get me started on the law. I can smell it from here. No, this is really easy and simple and perfect for the Christmas table, and yet so easy. Hot charred cherry tomatoes with cold yoghurt. So it is what it is. So it... You roast the... It's the perfect combination of the hot, sweet toms and the cold, thick yoghurt seasoned with flake salt 
and lemon zest. So I won't run you through the... Um, Mike Sheehan's ready to take notes, so no, I, I, better give it. I won't run you through the recipe, but you marinate the tomatoes, herb, sugar, cumin, seed, um, garlic, and some other stuff. As it is ottling, and there is the list. Um, you roast in the oven for 20 minutes, and you've already put the um, zest of the lemon into the um, chilli, into the um, yoghurt with some salt. Then you just pour the hot toms into the beautiful yoghurt, sprinkle with some um, chilli flakes and serve with focaccia or crusty bread. Delicious. So I'm thinking for those who've got the vegetarians or the pescatarians for Chrissy, of which in our family it ticks both boxes, it won't do the vegans, but it'll do everyone else. So just saying. Could be good. Okay. And Anna, you are also grumpy about something. Do you know what I'm grumpy about? And I don't know whether it's just me. The city of Melbourne's pathetic Christmas decorations. Mm. Another poor effort this year by Melbourne city councillors on the Chrissy tree and the decks. You'd barely know it was Christmas, Carol. I don't mind the Maya windows with the gumnut babies. But that's not... See, that's just Maya. Yeah, that's true. Tired, dusty old plastic decks. I mean, think what you see when you go overseas. It's all about the vibe, it's beautiful, it's about the decorations. Here, it's just dreadful. And I mean, four plastic stars periodically placed along Swanson Street or Swanson Walk. I mean, is that the best we can do? Yeah, I, I agree. Anna, Anna, the point is all the streets are closed that well, you want to go down. True. So true. why decorate? Well said, yeah. Why bother? I mean, no wonder retail sales are down. Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, okay. no, that's what I'm grumpy about. Thank you, Anna. Mm. Now, six quick questions, and I'm going to start with you because I figure you're grumpy and you've got a lot to get off your chest. Oh, um, I've done my grumpy, haven't I? What's your best op shop Christmas find? Well, I was just wondering, because I knew I was doing this today. I was at work yesterday, and would you believe it? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Amy. No. It has the, Peggy O'Neill's name written all over it. I mean, is that incredible? And Fa- it's look, Faber Records, everyone. Yeah. Remember Faber Records? It's in really good nick. I don't know whether... Ron Tudor, who did Faber yeah, Records? I don't know whether to put it on the record player or freight. <laughs> I reckon it's really good. And the other one, I have got two. The other one is, which this is bloody brilliant, and in a different donation, the Sportsman's Cookbook. <laughs> no ladies in here, I'm afraid. That's wigs. A wig. And it's a, an addition to any good cook's um, library. Offerings of fruity baked spare ribs by champion jockey Roy Higgins. <laughs> Ron Barassi's Barassied eggs went glorified eggs and bacon. To Herb Elliott's spaghetti a la Herb. There's some culinary challenges ahead for the lucky gift getter there. So they're my two best oppie oh, finds. That is brilliant. Brilliant. Corey, I know when you're not sitting here doing a podcast with all of us, you're in the shop selling lots of books and wrapping them. Can you give us a a wrapping tip or your favourite way of doing things? How good are we at wrapping at the moment, Deb? Our fingers are raw. Okay. Paper cuts? Yeah, all the time. I can't stand it. In fact, blood often goes out on it. Okay, here's the thing. If you're going to do your Christmas wrapping yourself, do it all in one hit, Okay. Lay it all out over the kitchen table and have all the gifts on the floor. So you've got a, a, you know, division of duties there. You must have a tape dispenser. (laughs) 
None of this pulling it off, sticking it on the table and thinking you can get it later. And you must have sharp scissors. Keep your ribbons to one side. Don't let them float all over the table. And um, tag and put the names on of the recipients as you go along. God, you're organised. Okay, so how often have you just said, oh, I'll just wrap so-and-so and so-and-so's gifts and I'll put them over here, and then ten gifts later you go... The best paper tip, by the way, for buying Christmas paper, I have to say I was in there the other day, IKEA, really good value, really good paper for folding nurses' corners. And the best ribbon tip, get onto the Barama website. They're in Cheltenham or Moorabbin somewhere and they have really good grow grain. But hurry, because they're running out of red and green. Um, And if if you are giving to an appeal or charity, this is really important, which we are all asked to do in our, you know, life at the moment, which is a great thing to do, instead of just throwing it in the supermarket trolley or just taking it along to some, you know, fundraiser lunch, wrap it. Everybody loves a wrapped Christmas gift. And so if the supermarket people say, oh, you know, the kids are there saying, we're giving, you know, could you buy something in the supermarket? and Take it home and come back to the supermarket the next day with your little shortbread or whatever wrapped up. It just gives so much joy. Um, And we wrap for free at my bookshop, by the way. There you go. (laughs) Julia, what's your least favourite Christmas movie? Oh, well, I don't go to Christmas movies. I think generically they're ghastly, so can I leave that, please? No. I mean, no, I, they don't Is there one on. you hated every year, the children insisted, like Caro's wishing to turn on, I don't know? Well, you hate the modern version of Little Women, and I thought you loathed White Christmas. I didn't think you... No. Were... Oh, okay. I always gave way to what you wanted. <laughs> Surprising, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Okay, we'll move on. Anna, worst Christmas with kids moment. Um, well, I was thinking, apart from that terrible moment when your children say, Mum, how come you've got the same wrapping paper as Father Christmas? <laughs> Which is always pretty bad. The one that sort of springs to mind, Cara, was the time your godson started a world championship wrestling bout amongst the shepherds in the Kinder Nativity play. <laughs> The girls dressed as angels had these speaking parts and the shepherds were in scratchy Hessian outfits. They were boiling hot and bored and completely abandoned their flocks by night and started wrestling. And I can still see the look of horror on Doreen, the kindergarten teacher's face. Sorry. Um, Caro, what has been your most embarrassing Christmas Day moment? Well, look, I did misread this. I thought it was Christmas moment, so it didn't happen oh, okay. on Christmas, Christmas Day. Moment. But Christmas moment. I was Christmas shopping. It was in the early day. It was when I was a um, cadet at the Melbourne Herald, and I was doing all the last... Because, you know, in those days you worked on Christmas Day. And on Christmas Eve I was doing all this Christmas shopping, running around... And remember, Anna, you'd remember, we used to wear those indigo skirts. Oh, wish we had them now. We used yes. to buy them on the, in Chapel Street. Yeah, I, I've had full indigo. Every colour. That was sort of big and flowy. I thought I looked Drop pretty good, but I look back and... <laughs> anyway, um, we they were good. very light, Corrie, and I was standing midst Christmas shopping at the sandwich bar in the shop to buy a coffee or a sandwich or something, and there was heaps and heaps of people standing around me, and I'm waiting for my sandwich, and I just felt... A bit sort of airy and light as I was standing. <laughs> and I looked down and the skirt was on the ground. <laughs> and I was standing in my underpants and a shirt and shoes. 
And thank God it was so crowded that no one had, I, I don't think anyone had noticed. So I quickly crouched down and picked it up. I don't think anybody saw it. That was my most embarrassing to see. Uh, an early one, if you want one. What, have you got one, Mum? No, it was a... It just shows how <laughs> reactionary I am now and how different the world was then. I was in a Christmas pageant at school and I had my little overalls on and all these people are bought on and they've all got black faces. They're little Merton Hall girls. They're all been done with black. And I'm led to the front of the stage and I say, they must be our coven. <laughs> Imagine today. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, dear me. <laughs> okay. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Thank you, um, Jill, for that recollection. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, times have changed. Mum, <laughs> can you leave us with a GLT? Yes, I've got a very good local <laughs> tip. Stay local. Yes. Buy local. Yes. <laughs> Drive local. <laughs> Set yourself a perimeter. There's a girl here who lives in the south, southeast, and she's embarking for Christmas on a trip to the far end of Port Melbourne. <laughs> she doesn't know the name of the shop. <laughs> she thinks she's got the address. Sister Lil. <laughs> okay. Anna, what's your GLT? My GLT actually comes courtesy of Sister Jolie, who's here tonight. It is a case of the half dozen bottle Brown Brothers Prosecco for your spritz over summer. She said the one bottle is perfect for your husband and yourself to have a spritz eat before dinner or two. What, two bottles? No, they're what, just like an Aperol spritz. Yeah, no, a... I'm getting oh. to that, Caro. Just you know how spritzes are just the new drink. You yeah, know, do yeah, yeah. sang, do gin, and elderflower cordial spritz. But mm. you need, but you don't want to have the full bottle of prosecco. It's a bit sickly, and yeah. you're not mm. going to scoff the lot. But you might scoff the half. Well, I yeah, know. <laughs> no. So I think really good. Buy the dozen. Buy it from Dan's. I think really good tip. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I noticed um, that Dan's is selling a bottle of Aperol and a bottle of Prosecco in a special box well, set, too. But I think, that I think the gin and elderflower. Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for coming along. I want to mention again Peggy O'Neill and Conrad Marshall, yes. our wonderful early guests. <laughs> Me at halftime that um, they have no interest, our friend Mary, in fact. Absolutely no interest in football, but they could listen to Peggy talk all day about governance and leadership and just doing what she does. So, Peggy, we're enormously honoured to have you here. And Conrad, another brilliant book. Well done. And good luck in the Australian Sports Commission Awards. Thank you to my mother, yes. Julia, who That's has been brilliant as ever. 
Thank you to our dear friend Anna from the Op Shop, Anna Barry. Thank you to all our wonderful friends who come in via Instagram, via Facebook, via email, who've turned up tonight. To Jane Neild, our wonderful producer. Again to, again to Sam Thompson, who's been wonderful in supporting this show, and also to Tara. Corrie, thank you to you. We'll oh, be back. Thank you. We will. Bigger and better than ever in 2020. Don't forget to join our Footy Tips comp, which kicks off in March. Tell your friends and family, as we say every week, to subscribe to both our podcasts. Send your feedback, comments, tips and suggestions to the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. Can I just interrupt there too? Sorry. All the lists tonight will be on those notes. Um, also, we're looking at having a pre-footy season event with a football female or all-female panel. So, uh, again, that'll be a fundraiser possibly back here, I'm not sure, but we hope that you'll note that when we start mentioning it and book in because we love this game. This show is actually an intimate discussion every week with Caro and I, but we know now just weirdly and magically that we have all of these other people who listen to us, um, lots of rural people, women in particular who are at home and they, they don't have the connections every day with friends. Um, a wonderful um, customer came in the other day, a podcast listener, and she lives overseas um, in Qatar, and she and her friend who lives in Ireland discuss Melbourne via our podcast. We love the fact that we've become your friends, you're our friends, and who would ever have thought that this group of us, you know, <laughs> has kind of grown. We're really humbled. Miss Jane, what do we say? We say don't shoot the messenger. And I'm going to play a little song. My partner Simon's here to do some backing vocals before we leave, which I wrote for the 50th episode. And I'm just adding verses every time we get to perform it live. And to Caro and Corrie and this uh, crazy crew, you really are the highlight of my week. So thank you for being you. And here's our little song. Don't shoot the messenger, I'm kind of telling you There's more than just one point of view And we'll talk it through, we'll talk it through Join Carol and Curry and friends, sometimes they're kids Anna from the op shop and Julia's the best And we'll talk it through, we'll talk it through don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger. We covered hashtag me too. We saw the footy season through. Keep an eye on the polys, the latest in news, and all the things you want in book, screen, and food. Kerry O'Brien doesn't get much wrong. Annabelle Crab and Jocks are wrong. Oh, Jocks are wrong! He's Caro's crush of the week. But he can't compete with bears. He rest in peace. But don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger.
coming, everyone. <laughs>